1: That's shopify.com slash special offer. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so yet another week gone. Yet another international break looms. And we're here once more at the climax of game week seven to talk about reactions to how things have gone down. There's quite a lot to cover this week, so we'll get straight into it. We're a man down today, but we've more than ably filled that gap, as Nick will get on and introduce. Um, but first,
2: you right, mate? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you, Tom. Yeah, um, good spirits again, because it was, it was a good game week for me. But it's, it's been a massive yo-yo season in general. It's uh, four great weeks, three dreadful weeks, as my game week rank continues to oscillate up and down. So we are Who Got The Assist. Make sure to follow us on social media channels, give the pod a like or subscribe. We're also on Instagram, apparently WGTA.FPL, if you want to follow us on there. So as Tom alluded to, there's no Anthony this week due to doing his college exams. Good luck, mate. But we're more than compensating for his absence with our guest this time. So we're joined by the danger, uh, Wes, aka FPL Heisenberg. Um, So Wes, do you want to give us an introduction to yourself and, and where you can be found? cheers for that nick and um, yeah first of all it's an absolute pleasure to be here been a fan of the pod for
0: years and you yeah, have been playing fpl for seven years this eighth year and before then various fantasy games like i'm sure you boys have been into as well and in terms of where you can find me i'm at fpl underscore heisenberg on instagram and twitter and i've been on twitter for a good few years now and uh, yeah it's a lot of fun
1: yeah, cool. Welcome. Well, it's good to have you on. Uh, yeah, it definitely is a lot of fun, isn't it? Although, you know, every now and again, just step, stepping back to watch it and comment on it is a lot more fun than actually being engaged with it, isn't it? Uh, on the agenda this week, it's uh, looking back on the weekend, which saw uh, no-show meltdowns galore and benches utilised to their fullest, um, hence the chat about stepping back and laughing at a little times. And thinking about team structure, uh, will these no-shows intensify or was it an anomaly? Uh, will managers like Safety First Nick be loving it this year? Uh, also, there's correspondence on wildcards and the q but first, it's the game reviews followed by the market forces. Uh, let's uh, go with game reviews first. Uh, I think I finished bottom, so maybe I'll keep trundling on. I got fifty-four this week. It's was a bit of a frustrating week, really. I've uh, gone absolutely nowhere. Basically, got a grey arrow. Started off pretty well, getting Rhys James actually on the pitch, for example, and Mo Salah getting the goal, obviously. But I mean I captain Son, and it, it just kind of disintegrated from that point onwards. I mean, the greenish was okay. Kane, everyone owns him. Uh, Shea Adams, I, f- I felt very lucky to get anything from Shay Adams. He had no shots, uh, no key passes, nothing, but got an assist for a uh, for a. Uh, for a set piece but yeah Son not scoring not doing anything was really annoying That's kind of he scores uh double digits for three weeks in a row before this one and on the week I captain he obviously gets two um four out of seven captain blanks now for me which is uh, it wouldn't be so annoying if it, they were like punts but it was Kevin De Bruyne twice Salah and Son who have been my kind of captain culprits so not particularly good arm blank but you know Spurs had an off day Son had an off day and he's not on penalties so two of those three I can't legislate for it's just a bit unlucky. Uh, so yeah, 53, 54 I think I've got and yeah, still 1.5 million. But meh, what can you do? Next, I think it's you, Bez, isn't it?
0: Yes, yeah, so I got 71 this week uh, with Luckman's two points and Justin's two points coming in today as well. Pretty big rank jump, so I can't complain. I went from around 1.4 million to it looks like about 850k. So shows like one, you know, decent week and get a big jump. So you know, don't panic if you're out there with a poor rank at the minute. Um, who did well for me? Yeah, Grealish as well. I had Salah Captain, who was probably the best of uh, the three I was considering, along with Son and Kane. And my three strikers all bagged one goal. Uh, Kane, DCL and Ings. Uh, and Lamptey got uh, a little bit lucky there. Um, I had to use my squad because I had the likes of Sace and Mitchell, but I'll come on to that a little bit more later.
2: Oh, so yeah, looks like I got the highest score this week with seventy-five points. So yeah, really happy with that. Uh, started off relatively badly, I guess, with Pulisic. It was meant to play, but he got injured in the warm-up, so didn't play. Uh, but I had Kurt Zuma in that game, and he got me a lovely fourteen-pointer. So really, really happy with that. Um, I captained Salah actually over the Spurs guys, and, and that worked out well in the end as well. Um, eight times two for him, so 16 points there. So pretty decent start. And then um, I had sort of Grealish and, and Calvert-Lewin on the Sunday, and both of them sort of returned last-minute goals, which makes a change from you know, losing last-minute clean sheets. very nice to get those sort of 90-plus-minute goals from Grealish and Calvert-Lewin, so 15 from Grealish and, and eight from Calvert-Lewin. Um, Got the returns from Kane obviously in Spurs game and Adams uh, picked up that assist that Tom mentioned. And then uh, tonight, yeah, it went pretty well, I guess, tonight with the, uh, the Dallas goal as well. So, you know, when you luck's in, you luck's in. But, Pulled um, that out your posterior, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was a jam, another jammy goal. But um, yeah. I, the player that came off the bench, unfortunately, was Walker-Peters with one point. So I didn't get Lampty's goal, unfortunately. So Lampty nine points on the bench. But can't complain too much with, with that return. Very much a, a yo-yo season for me. No, oh, certainly,
1: certainly. And I think it's uh, been a very interesting game week for a lot of people in terms of how they're reacting to it. Moving on to the market forces now, it's, it's one where we're not really seeing much forward action. It's all about the defenders. And you and Dick must be very happy with the man who's number one there, Nick.
2: It's all about the Zs in the market for this this, this game week. Not nap time, but Zuma and and Ziyech. And yeah, as I mentioned, Zuma got me 14 points. He's had 217,000 transfers in so far. And yeah, he's a player certainly I've been attracted to because of his great underlying stats. Um, He's had five shots on target, which is the highest of all defenders. And he's also got three goals to his name. Um, There's definitely a good chance of more goals, actually, because he loves a header. All five of his goal attempts have been headers and all have been on target and they have Sheffield United up next who have incidentally conceded 26 goal at, headed goal attempts which is 7 more than any other team so far this season so big chance he could score again there um so that's a that's a really interesting stat that I found boom <laughs> <laughs> his uh, his teammate CH um, in his first start for the blues picked up a goal and assist and Feels that nice price point, 8 million. Uh, we'll probably have some questions on that kind of thing later. But he's had 192,000 transfers in. And uh, it's actually a triple Chelsea in terms of the transfers in because Chilwell's third with 122,000 transfers in. And he's had um, a great start as well to his Chelsea career. He's, he's returned in, in every single uh, game so far he's played in with uh, goal to and assists and three clean sheets. Pretty impressive. Um, what, do, what do you think of the Chelsea guys then, Wesley? Are you, are you backing them at the moment? yeah absolutely I haven't got any in the minute, but uh, I'm
0: jealous of your Zuma pick because looking at the expected goals conceded uh, stats earlier with looking at all the teams in the league, Chelsea are now best for that stat with a score of seven point one two that's from fantasy football have those stats um, and obviously their the fixtures in the next three are pretty good as well Sheffield United, Newcastle and Leeds three of the next four, which you know is pretty good and like you said obviously Sheffield United conceded a lot of headed chances, which could be, you know, a Chilwell or ZH assist for a Zuma goal, depending on which one of them takes the set pieces. So,
2: yeah, um, I'm potentially looking at a Chelsea defender in for my team. Yeah, certainly. They're very popular in that market forces this week. Um, otherwise, in terms of who's being brought in, we've got Jack Grealish. He's had 120,000 transfers in. He's the fourth most transferred in player. We've also got um, Kilman, uh, Max Kilman, great name. Um, 110,000 transfers in at time of recording um, A lot of people targeting the cheap Wolves man But Wolves fixtures actually do stiffen a little bit And in and in terms of transfers out It's it no surprise in terms of injured players They always seem to top this with Castagna. He's had 233,000 transfers out uh, But a lot, a lot of defenders there Seiss didn't play, Mitchell didn't play But we've also got the Liverpool guys Trent, Alexander, Arnold with 100,000 transfers out um, and Robbo is also being sold quite heavily with 47,000 transfers out. Do you, do you reckon it's, it's time to go without the Liverpool guys, Liverpool defence, Wesley?
0: If I was on a wild card, I'd probably be, well, I'd almost certainly be going without either of them. On my wild card in, in week three, I did switch Trent to Robbo. A very easy move, isn't it? Something like Robertson or Trent down to someone like Chilwell. It saves over a million and you're getting possibly a better asset there as well. Also, to kind of contradict myself, I'd also be happy to keep them which is why I'm personally keeping Robertson I'm hoping they you know revert back to their solid defensive stats at some point soon and they've always got attacking threat those two so I'm happy to hold as I have them but I wouldn't be transferring them in
1: Yep, don't buy, don't sell. Very annoying assets to hold indeed. I wish I got rid of them a long time ago. All right, let's move on to the main topic, which is about team structure this week. Growing out of a multitude of bench shocks that impacted Death managers this game week. The likes of Mitchell, Seiss, Pulisic, Mopey and Ryan were all no-shows. And Werner got very, very lucky to get on the pitch. Uh, we've also seen a few epic off-the-benches which have been infecting post-autos of ranks this week. So Lamptey off the bench for many, nine points. and um, Some cases coming off the bench second and third um, with nine point which is very very lucky indeed and the dallas tonight as well i'm sure off the bench for many Um, and there's also a cameo for foden uh, which led to a lot of fretting online and there's a good question this week we got from james Correll at j.corolle on twitter which we summed this up he asked what team structure best suits the current challenges um i guess um you know we always used to in the in the, in the past sort of favour kind of uh, you know, one, one bench asset, I suppose, and then having uh, uh, mostly Dross being slots two and three. But th- this year it does look like having kind of two bench assets to call on, you know, be they kind of the, the 4.5 million defenders who obviously can play or rotate as necessary, or the point fives in midfield or Brewster, 4.5 million forwards. Owning two seems to be a fairly good idea, doesn't it? But do we think that this week was the start of things to come in terms of the heavy rotation, or is it kind of a one off? I think this week is a little bit of a one off,
0: but what I'm worried about more is self isolations and the fact that this is a strange season where, you know, fictions are more condensed. Uh, but obviously, we saw it earlier on in the season with Mane, and I think it's uh, is it 11 of the Ajax players yeah. have, have gone down with it. So I think there's going to be weeks where you're going to miss a lot of players. So what I've done is just a kind of a minor tweak. Whereas at the start of this year, I wasn't actually on this mindset. I had the likes of Smallbone and, you know, 4 million Mitchell, for example, on my bench. But on my wildcard, I decided that I wanted to upgrade Smallbone to Sojček, who, okay, fair enough. He hasn't done much so far, but I'm still happier to have him on my bench as a with more attacking threat than any of the sort of 4.5 million midfielders. I guess if you're playing 3-5-2, Brewster could be that player. But at the minute, he's still obviously settling at Sheffield United, not really getting 90 minutes. So I do prefer the option of having the likes of a Sojicek or Luckman and also spending an extra 0.5 and getting, instead of having two 4.0 defenders, getting in the 4.5 um, defender, the likes of Lampty or whoever. Um, I just think it's sensible this year.
2: Yeah I'd, I'd certainly agree with you there I think it, certainly this campaign is, is different to any campaign we've seen before obviously we've got the, the lurking Covid issue but we've also got like the fixture congestion that it has caused as well. Um, I saw like interview with Pep where he'd highlighted a a 47% rise in muscular injuries due to lack of preparation and the amount of games teams are playing so I don't know where he got his stats from specifically but you know that's that's a massive surprise to see that and you know like looking at sort of teams like Spurs they've had 13 games since the 13th of September so that's that's a game every 3.6 games. And, and that's when you consider that one of those games is actually cancelled against Leighton Orient. And there's been an international break in the middle of that where, for some reason, there were three games, which is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah. There was three games during that international break. So, so all of those players were knackered. You know, like of KDB went off on a cycle ride and then came back and said he, he was completely fatigued and <laughs> disappeared for a couple of weeks. So, you know, so much is going on and... Um, you know, having that strong bench, it feels certainly important at least for the uh, upcoming fixture round, especially coming up to, to Christmas, which is always a congested period. Yeah. I mean, just to combine both your points, I think on, on that, Kind of pet
1: point, I think there's because of the physical side. I think there's also in, in that sort of ongoing onslaught of games there's that mental side too. And there was a really fascinating piece by Sarah Sheppard in the Athletic this morning about mental fatigue and the impact on recovery and elite performance. And in it, the author and lots of mental health advocates like Marvin Sordell, the ex-footballer, was saying clubs need to begin to really pay heed to this side of things, you know, and give players the mental breaks too. And I suspect kind of there was a bit of that with KDB. He was sounding off the media about being a little bit tired about it, not really having a break for a little while. And for example, this weekend, uh, Potter said that Matt Ryan was being given a break after having been playing two or three years relentlessly. So I expect that side to crop up as well as there kind of being COVID. As I said at the beginning, completely good with you there, Wes, in that it's worth having those 4.5 million defenders, particularly as being your benchmen. They're the ones that I'm really favouring, the ones with the high X-Mins, the high expected minutes. And um, I guess you know going to bench three is rare like very rare historically that'd be very bad luck you know once a season you get there but i wager i don't have any stats to prove this it's just a a new context as nick has said but i suspect this year we're going to see more bench excavations than ever before um so maybe a 4.5 million defender and a 4.5 million forward or mid you can count on a pretty good but i probably favor having you know a webster type and then maybe a justin or something who can just kind of come off the bench give you two points every now and again and there just might have to be exceptions you know that two points a bit of a none some weeks. Oh, no, it sounds really crap. I mean, most game weeks you do go in thinking, yeah, 80 plus, that's what we want. Um, but as it pans out, it makes me be better to accept, you know, you're getting these two points sometimes and that's better than a no-show, frankly. I've seen this week, like how bad things have gone for a lot of people that after one game, people would already in bench two if they'd started Sice and Mitchell. Um, it might be better to take a long view perhaps and just think all these little kind of one or two pointers go into like a bank account towards the end of your season OR, even if, a week is disappointing as managers I mean we spoke about the, the mentality of the players and we have kind of touched on this a few times in terms of FPL already this season because it's been quite a tough one a bit of a strange one I mean Wes like, what's your take on that like you said earlier on that you kind of had a big jump in rank this week so I guess you were kind of struggling along like I was until until this week how are you dealing with those challenges of, of things not going how you'd like them to be?
0: Yeah, no, it's been it's been difficult. I've been, like I alluded to earlier, I've been sort of treading water at the sort of 1.4 million rank mark, which is not where I want to be. I've been um, missing out on big hauls. Like, you know, in previous seasons, you might get punished by, you know, Kane getting a brace away at Southampton and maybe Son getting one assist there, which would have been, you know, manageable. But those players getting, they both got 22, 24 points or something, didn't they? So... And likewise with players like James Rodriguez has punished me early on. So I think with the high scoring games that we were seeing in sort of weeks one to five, was it? The stats back it up that there was a lot of goals in those games. So if he wasn't hitting, then he was getting hit sort of twice as hard. Mm. Um, But I've just tried to stick to what I have done for the last sort of six, seven years, which is, you know, sticking to the principles, sticking into, you know, looking into the stats, watching as much football as I can, trying to get on you know bringing the best players I can and, and move forward from there but it has been tough and it is it's definitely frustrating but it is still early days that I've got to keep you know telling myself.
1: Yeah no, I know what you mean I think oh, as well like we did see a lot this week of just um, uh, some, some bedlam I guess in the FPL community of people kind of finding it very difficult to deal with the kind of what was going on with a lot of the benches and we've spoken about this a little bit in the recent past and I I really think that kind of the individual game scheduling intensifies and amplifies this sort of neuroses that people kind of go through and I understand completely why the folding cameo if other things were going on at the same time you wouldn't be as upset about that so you know he, he gets one point and that's the only game going on. So people like really focusing on the fact that their guy has come on you know, and gotten gotten them one point. Whereas if that had happened alongside other games happening, so people getting goals and assists elsewhere, it would minimise or at least kind of dilute the impact. But the fact that you've got one thing going on at a time, it really kind of intensifies the focus. And I think that kind of means that people get really kind of bogged down, I guess, in the negativity every now and again. You have to just walk away, I suppose. Uh, But enough, enough about us as managers. Get back to the kind of the key question, which is about our team. setups and i guess it does sound like we're looking at kind of having a little bit more money invested on the bench so to speak and a little bit more um kind of solidity around the players that we're picking Uh, but how does this impact our transfer strategy what sorts of players are we favoring i mean is it time for kind of these high risk high reward players to be binned off
2: steady and stable picks nick is it is it time for um the nick pick to come to fruition certainly when you're looking at who you're picking you're you're favoring those safe picks, aren't you? You're you're favoring those talismen as we always like to call out the likes of Grealish, the likes of Wilf Zaha, over those sort of Phil Foden or Riyad Marez type characters that can flit in and out of the team. I, I think seriously, backing the guy, especially this season where we're seeing so many more penalties, to, to sort of trust in those guys like of Zaha perhaps or or Callum Wilson, who we were just talking about uh, Pre going on the pod as well, who's sort of that key man for Newcastle being involved in eight of their nine goals. I think just looking at those sort of players, I feel like very much it, you might describe it as safety first, but I, I don't even know if it is safety first technically. I mean, typically, previous seasons we've been talking about triple Liverpool and triple Manchester City and, and loading up on these teams, even if the third man is a Phil Foden type person, you know, and uh, at some point that might cause us some damage. It's been a bit of a strange season, you know. The likes of City, United, all struggling in the league, and teams like Villa, sort of really doing well, or West Ham as well. But um, you know, it might later on in the season we might get caught out by going through these, some of these characters like Zaha, over perhaps some of these Manchester City assets that might get more points later on in the season. But I think certainly at the moment it feels like targeting the talisman is is a very strong and valid. Um, strategy as, as they will typically play most weeks
0: yeah absolutely because and especially using the Foden example again I've always found players like that to be frustrating because you know that they've got the talent you know that they can do it when on on the pitch but even when Foden got um, you know he had a rest in the previous game week so people thought right, well, you know he's going to start this week and you still can't predict it and then even players like, you know, Podent's got a goal this week, but he's still not interesting me because, although when I watch him, I think what a brilliant player he is, and he's obviously scored. He is getting withdrawn on like the 65th, 70th minute. Traor is there. He's obviously, if you've got Traoré in the bench, he's going to come on for one of those attacking players. And at the minute, it's, he's coming on for the likes of Podent. So I don't want my players to only be getting the sort of 65, 70 minutes. That's why, um, like you said, Zaha is like a 90-minute man every week. Um, same as like Jack Grealish, is just like obviously a standout player. And if, if Grealish was subbed off on the 85th minute in the last game, he would have left the game with just one assist. But he played on and got two, uh, got an assist and a goal in like the 91st and 96th minute or something. So, yeah, I, I fully agree with that. But like you said, if Man City start putting uh, up in their attacking numbers to sort of what we've seen in previous years, then we can expect to see Foden. Um, scoring well despite limited minutes because if if Man City are bagging five six goals, he can you know get grab a goal and assist in the last half an hour or grab a couple of goals if he plays just the first sixty minutes. So we'll have to wait and see what um, if City improve attacking numbers wise.
1: Yeah, uh, there's a really fun way of looking at this, which which uh, I have done, uh, which is comparing uh, kind of. Grealish uh, as a kind of the touchstone i think maybe because this week maybe because i own him uh, but i think he's a good example of a 90 minute talisman and comparing him to a combined city net which is around the same price tag so uh, since the start of 2019 20 uh, jack g has paid three thousand seven hundred seventy-three minutes got 12 goals 12 assists cost 7.3 million and he scored 203 points in that time so all of last season plus up to this season um right now um Comparing this to City Net, what I've done basically is combine the, all of those kind of factors for Foden, Mares, and Bernardo Silva. Uh, and I've actually averaged that out to create sort of a middle, kind of mean city player and um, who isn't a premium. So he's not kind of Stern or De Bruyne. They're, he's kind of, this, this player would play for City and it's just kind of an amalgamation, averaging out of all their points. What you get is a player who plays about 2,000 minutes, has scored eight goals and seven assists, costs 7.5 million, and Scores 139 points. So compare Grealish to this sort of average city player. And what you're actually buying for around the same is... A lot more minutes, so about 19 more games on the pitch in total. Um, This is kind of looking at samples that I remember from the start of last year up until now. Four more goals, around five more assists. You're paying 0.2 million more for the City player and your cheaper talisman scores 64 more points. So again, maybe underlining uh, talisman theory. And of course, this is highly unscientific, usual caveats apply, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But it's a really interesting way of illustrating that point in that kind of the players who mean a lot to individual teams are going to play. Like it's a great point, Wes, that if Grealish had left the field in the 85th minute, he would have got 10 less points than he actually ended up with. And it's a really nice way of just showing the importance of of these sorts of players to their teams. And you know, maybe predictably, we are again veering towards just saying by the. You talisman people, right? And just to cover off, I guess, where's the scope for risk taking here? You know, where's the opportunity if, if we're kind of all going to be corralling around the same sort of individuals, you know, your Grealishers, uh, maybe you know, your uh, uh, your Wilsons of this world? Um, where would you guys say the opportunity lies? I've got a question for you guys actually about my latest
0: transfer in for this game week. I brought in Lookman, would you? class that as a risk a gamble or is that more of a safe pick because he's only 5 million i think he's only owned by about 0.5 percent of managers i was using a small sample and then trying to extrapolate that out and and hoping that it, it comes off so i'd say i've taken a bit of a risk there and especially as uh, many many people on twitter like to point out to me um how bad fulham are <laughs> yeah. would you say that's a risk or you know because of his price is it not a risk
2: Did you say you've got Suchek as well, haven't you?
0: I've got both at the minute. I'm not sure if I'll, you know, uh, I've got some money in the bank. So at some point I might upgrade one and then just, you know, whichever one remains my team, I might put to the bench or I might just continue with both.
2: I kind of see Lookman almost because of the price, almost like a, a safe pick, but perhaps, a, you know, slightly off the wall safe pick. I mean, I remember him like when he was at Everton sort of coming through the ranks, he was kind of in the same, zone as Calvert-Lewin at that time and then I think he went off to Germany hasn't hasn't done much, now he's playing at Fulham, but he, he seems to be playing week in, week out, so that's positive he's dirt cheap, you know I've got Basuma at 4.5 million, but I'd probably say lookman has got a much bigger, even though Basuma scored Lookman's still got that much bigger goal threat so you know i don't think it's the the biggest risk because you're not spending a lot of your money on this guy ultimately you can sit there on your bench come on and if he and you know and if he's if he's nailed in which seems like he is then then you know there's, there's no harm done really owning him or not owning him i mean i don't know i class not there's a low
1: of low risk, high reward sort of character because you're not paying very much at the end of the day. Like it's kind of priced into the player what you're likely to get. But there is a kind of a you're hoping that the stats would extrapolate as you put it out into a decent sort of enough ceiling. I, I probably wouldn't have voluntarily bought him myself, but I can see why you would, if that makes sense, just because he had a really low ownership. Um and I think kind of those low ownership examples of where you are going to find opportunity. And um, so I can I can see why he went there. I can understand that um i guess one thing i would mention here is uh, is kind of with ownership um is observing split pin ownership if there's two assets in the team so people at like adam hopcroft have done very well out of backing marnay over Salah, for example maybe not this week but you know what i mean and i guess going forward maybe backing someone like rashford over bruno Fernandez could be a good mm. idea because that means that you know if everyone's going one way then you go another i mean i tried that for Charleston versus dcl and little that's left me but um every now and again that, that can definitely work out for you um with those players with risky minutes. I mean, I'm not saying, I don't think Lickman would be, but there are some players who you you may want to take a punt on, for example, getting Aguero in or getting Jesus in. But you have to know what you're getting into. And it's fun when it does pay off and reward you, but it really isn't when your man plays nine minutes, as many found out this week. So um, it's one of those things where you've got to really weigh up what you kind of mentally can deal with. And I'm sure you're not the kind of guy who's been having a meltdown, by the way, because you knew what you were buying into.
0: Obviously, it's still only one game. I'm still not giving up. Hope on him. It was just an example, but yeah, back to the sort of risk taking. A player like Martial right now, in the current climate, is a player that I wouldn't personally touch because I am not a very risky manager at all. Whereas, if you are one of those who likes, you know, a gamble, and you, you maybe just think that he is going to hit the ground running after his ban, we know he's got the potential to do that. But for me, I want to see at least the potential there in, like, you know, a game or two. He, he could blank in those games, but I want to see him getting shots off. Before I take a full-on punt, Man United aren't playing very well every single week as well. So that's just another example of I, I'm more safety and Lukman's about as risky as I get. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh my God, that's like uh, yeah, smoking a cigarette and calling it a drug, isn't it? Nick, what do you reckon about risk then?
2: Well, I think it's been the, the traditional prevailing theory since we started the pod that I'm the less risky uh, risk taker of the two. You're always the one that goes for some more outrageous punts. Oh, yeah, look to, at how the ORs have ended up. I I <laughs> Boring is the way forward. Like, I know you've, you've, I mean, that Martial example is quite a good one. I remember when you, you backed KDB when he was coming back from injury two years ago and, and that kind of didn't work out for you and, and just stuff like that. I think it's just, Sorry to dredge that old story up again, but um, right. it's just I think mean, ge- generally I just kind of go with the safer options like like where's I, I, I kind of like to see a player play at least a game or two, you know, rather than bringing them straight back into my team. Or, you know, I want to see something. I, I don't want to just I'm, I'm not kind of one just to say, all oh, right, you know, next week's the week to back Raheem Sterling or something like that when he's been on like a terrible run of form i'd like to see at least one performance where he might get a goal or assist and i think actually sterling might be someone back on my radar so i kind of like i'm a bit of a um more of a kind of you know patient player and uh yeah um back players that at least done something first let's jump on the
1: bandwagon rather than starting it Uh, i get that i get that i think I, i i'm I'm always obsessed with fun. It's bandwagon, but often that means that I overlook really obvious moves. Not so much this year, um, although I don't own Devon at and of course. So back to the main sort of question then. What team structure best suits the current challenges? It sounds like kind of we're favouring solid starters with two bench assets you can call on. And as mentioned, I like kind of a 4.5 million defenders or something, and, or as we said, a you three-five-two know, of Brewster or something. And it, it kind of sounds like we are, um, I, I'm not too sure about it, it doesn't sound particularly sexy, but as we said at the start of the season, these obvious moves, these kind of safety first players, these talismen, do seem to be the ones that we're veering towards in terms of the ones that we should at least seem at the moment to be best equipped to help us deal with the situation. Do you think that's a good summary of words. Is that kind of where you'd put it in terms of when you were thinking about this question earlier? Yeah, yeah,
0: 100%.
2: Don't want to go over the same things again, but yeah, hit the nail on the head there, mate. I'm I'm kind of liking the, the 3-4-3 at the moment, just in general. I think, you know, it seems to be working out pretty well with sort of Kane and DCL and some other third striker who can be rotated between the likes of Bamford or Wilson or Jimenez or, or Adams who's the, the current man. But I can see people are going for the 3 five two with Brewster and if Brewster continues to start and perhaps even scores then that might come in vogue. But you know, at the moment I feel like just, just the way the 3 four three works, so sort if of, we've got these kind of persumers, such type characters can fit, sit on the bench, and then having those rotating defenders was working pretty well as well. You know, I've got as part of my wildcard I've got in Dallas and Walker Peterson and Lamptey, and all of those guys. Just you know, I just pick one or two of them each week and, and just play around with who who plays. And if if someone is injured or someone is like out the game with COVID or whatever, then I've at least I've got someone who will come off the bench and hopefully for for a clean sheet or even a goal. Yep, the importance of two points, eh? All right, let's take a break there and move on to the correspondence and QA for this. Who got the
1: assist? Who got the
2: assist? So we're back and it's uh, it's time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist mini league. Um, if you want to join the league, the code is CPSULF. And I'm just going to run through the top five because that's the easiest. Um, in fifth, it's uh, Zachy Shane with the Zakaria team. Um, he's dropped. Uh, places. Um he only got 54 points this week. So um, pretty average score there. Um, but someone who did have a really good week was David Izart with hist Wham untied. He got 83 points this week, which is a fantastic score. So he's he's kind of rocketed up the ranks there. Uh, captained Kane, but you know he had the, the key men like Zuma and Grealish and, and Wilson. Uh, Calvert-Lewin, all sort of getting him the points this week. So great score for him there. Um, in third, uh, Mohamed Tamosun uh, remains in third with Hunter. Um, he got 61 points this week. We've got Borisov Joksimovich in second with 64 points. But in, in first, we've got Graham Sessoms with um, HK10 for Golden Boot. He's a, he's a Spurs fan there. Um, and he got 59 points. So uh, you know, it uh, seems like lots of people have really good weeks. Uh, well done, guys. All, all the guys at the top.
1: Cool, yeah. Well done, everybody. Um, let's move on to the correspondence this week. Uh, no Irishman to squeal enjoy. joy. Instead, you've got a Londoner to, what would we say, broguing. Talk to you exclaims you enjoy about the correspondence this week it's from mitchell sterling our statistician the man behind talisman theory he writes in saying hello lads long-time listener this email isn't my first rodeo some of us who started well and haven't needed to take hits or use wildcard are starting to get fomo and have a few fires to put out so what's a wild card worth if i think team a will score 550 points over the first 10 game weeks and over the next 10 game weeks and team b 551 it's not worth it but what benefit are you looking for Tom is also planning to hold for the Aston Villa double game week, by which he means game week uh, 19. What does he hope that his wild card be worth? Thanks, Mr. Bergstrom, as a Simpsons reference for those who get it. Um, so I guess uh, I can answer them for me in a minute, but I guess is there a target point benefit, guys, or any other benefits you think is kind of clear to all? I think realistically, people only look at a wild card versus their old team on one week, which is after they play it. After that, I think they forget all about their old team and just carry on with their new one and don't really refer back to what was there before, right? I mean, you guys are both wildcarded, but what were you looking to get out of it? Was it I don't know, Luke Wilson, sort of price rises? Was it just a refresh to your team? Did you have a points target over your old team? How do you approach those things? It wasn't
0: really, you know, uh, Team A versus Team B, which will score more because it's almost impossible to do so. If I look back at my... Team prior to my wild card, a uh, wild card in week three. So if I look at my week two team, that wouldn't be my team this week because I'd have made, you know, four or five transfers by then, or maybe even a minus four or two. So I might have, I'd have probably changed half that squad anyway. So I never really look and, you know, compare it in terms of X amount of points compared to my old squad. I just try and use it when I see fit for my team, the first wild card, and I did feel like it was needed in week three. Um, there was a fair amount of players I wanted to get on that I couldn't get easily without, you know, a big minus hit. And uh, it wasn't sort of a team value thing. That's more secondary for me. It was more, yeah, just getting on players I wanted to get on and moving forward from there. I don't, There's no real point looking back at your old team pre wild card. You can't get that team back. Um, for example, I took out Callum Wilson, which at the time made some sense, but he's gone on a, on a decent run since then. But I also took out players who haven't done well. So, yeah, I don't really look at like that. And in terms of my second wild card, I know that's not really what the question was, but I typically wait for, you know, the double game weeks later on in the season and try and utilize two of those chips together.
2: Yeah, I guess I'm the same in terms of I'm not massively reflective in terms of what my old team was. Once once I've got rid of those players, they're kind of, you know, they're dead to me. I don't kind of really think about, oh, you know, what happened. I mean, obviously, you kind of look at it a little bit in the first week. For instance, I transferred out Werner and then he got that return. but since then, I'm I'm still happy with who I brought in for him, which was Harry Kane. So you know, I, I don't try and you know analyze it too much. When, once I've moved, I kind of move on quite quickly. But I guess in, in terms of what I do with my wild card, it's not always just about the next game week. It's, it's almost about the next five, and that's what I kind of try and target with my my wild card. So it might be that I'm thinking, oh, I can get ten plus points on my team from last week but then maybe I can get five plus and continue on and you know I look at sort of why I wild carded early on and, and my game week one team was, was pretty rubbish and you know I didn't realize at that point that likes so of Kane and Son so and Calvert-Lewin would be the stars of the season and and those are the kind of guys I, I brought in I think Calvert-Lewin actually got in the week before but um, on my wild card for instance I got Kane and Son so in I also got Zuma and Greedish in Um so those guys like really really delivered for me this week i also got yeah. a couple other characters in like martinez and, and robertson who did, who did well initially in that first week got instant returns from them you no know, blanks this week and and also strengthened my depth in terms of the bench which obviously would be a major talking point for this this pod but i got in lampty and and dallas and, and walker peters and all those guys so i'm pretty comfortable in terms of why i wild carded what you know the points i've got out of it the strength and depth i've got now and uh you know obviously I think also if I that particular week I really needed Kane and Son, and it felt like I was missing out majorly on points by not having them so I'd have probably had to take a hit to get both of them in so factoring in elements like you know why a wild card here to avoid a minus four to avoid a minus eight to get the key guys in um you know those, those are in, in terms of going back to the question that's what a wild cards were for me
1: yeah, so it sounds like kind of perceived strength and depth and kind of saving yourself points in terms of hits. Interesting that kind of contrast to what Mitchell was thinking it could be, which is kind of a, a points target. And um, so it sounds kind of as more qualitative rather than quantitative factors for both of you. You know, I feel like my team was looking like it needed a few players to be removed. Um, and you both kind of said, oh, I don't really look at the past team, which is fair enough. I, I completely agree with that. If I wildcard, I don't really look at the last team apart from that one week. The week that i do do it because obviously it's like morbid curiosity isn't it to see what i could have got if i'd have held back um let's talk about the late wild cards I'm still kind of sat there as it is so just to explain the situation game week 16 this year into sort of the game week 18 is the last time you can use the wild card 1 as I'm sure you all know um, and on game week 18 we've, we're looking that you are going to have 10 teams blanking and on game week 19 we're looking to have 10 teams doubling uh, so the idea is to hold the game week the first wild card all the way into game week 16 if I can and then kind of 18 and 19 kind of reap the rewards. Uh, the man himself Ben Credin, says it's still wise to do this, um, if one or both of the game one blanks, moves game week seventeen, for example, it won't be confirmed until fifteen, and we, we're not going to find out very much more until uh, kind of. Uh, uh, until later on in, in the season, um, and we're still going to be able to prepare basically for double game week 19 if you play your wild card in game week 16. So, basically, if I'd hold my wild card, I'll be hoping to optimize my team for that period. A few other kind of considerations as well I can make pontalicious transfers around December, which may not be advisable to you guys. Plan to navigate the blank and double, and I can optimize for the double, of course the wild cards very powerful chip and you you both had uh, positive outcomes from using it i'm not gonna lie i'm i'm now tempted to use it over the international break and i was playing with some teams um it's looking very tight in terms of getting to the setup that i want you know uh players like getting in the city players for their run we're going to speak about that in a bit and knighted players um that is looking incredibly difficult unless i do wildcard or take some quite large hits so I, it may be time game week uh, game week nine uh, to pull it it does feel a bit of a disappointment though to have got this far but i don't think my rank is good enough um as it stands um to do it i'll probably try to hold on this week maybe make a one week punt or something and then take it from there um as i've said a few times like no i was all about this kind of late wild card, but Dogger Clinic to it isn't a good idea. Um, and it's been a really interesting experience, I'd say, as well, and um, to have that kind of mental blocker to wildcarding because there have been a few wildcards that have kind of. I'm not going to name names, but spectacularly failed. And um, I've uh, you know, been able to avoid a few pitfalls, a few uh, bad wildcards I've seen in recent times that have been very much about just that last week. Um, so I've kind of gotten over those. I, in past years, I would have kind of fallen into them. But now it feels like I'm kind of stretching my team to the very end of where it can get to. So I think that's probably the good points to wildcard and maybe feeds into both your points. And if I do get a decent team out this week, and send setting the captains, I'm not going to be doing anything. If I do get a, different sc- a decent score, this week and um, then maybe i'll change my mind but um yeah at the moment i'm kind of starting to get itchy feet and thinking yeah maybe game week nine for the C- united and city kind of a. Uh- changing fixtures is going to be the time that i do it so yeah good question this week uh, thanks very much mitchell if you have any questions queries pet theories um, ideas or indeed poems uh, that you'd like read out analyzed evaluated on the podcast do write in who got racist at gmail.com and anthony will be only too pleased to read them out with a squeal of the hibernian delight Right, let's move on to the Q&A and uh, yeah, quite a few questions this week. Put them up on my green tea break and quite a few people got in, so well done to you. Uh, let's start off with the fixtures fix. So our good friend uh, Aaron Boyle is wildcarding and wants to know which fixtures we're eyeing up over the next six. Uh, so Wes sent us a message earlier saying, please let me go first, please let me go first. I'm guessing there's a lot of killer insight here. Um, what have you seen, Wes? What would you be advising Aaron to do?
0: I'm going to highlight Chelsea and West Ham. Uh, West Ham, as we all know, have had a horror run up until week seven. Now they're moving on to Fulham this week uh, and they're also facing Sheffield United and Villa in the next three. uh, And obviously Villa are rejuvenated, but they've lost their last two. So their fixtures are turning. But uh, a caveat to that is that it's going to be interesting to see how West Ham line up now with at the start of the season. In most of the games they've been been the underdog. They can set their stall out to defend um, and, you know, sit back and potentially counter-attack. And, but they've defended well in their sort of 3-5-2 formation. Um, but it's interesting if that carries on. Obviously, the assets from their team, sort of defensive-wise, Cresswell, Kruval and Masuraka. Cresswell's right up there with um, for expected assists out of those three. Uh, he just seemed, seemed like the prime pick. He is about 0.5, 0.6, more expensive. I think he's 5.1 now. Whereas there's a 4.5. Four nows in midfield. Um, He's literally someone I've never, ever even thought about bringing into my team. But he's ticking over nicely. He's got five attacking returns in the Open seven games. And he's owned by less than 1% managers. 1% of managers, I should say. And he's only 6.4 million uh and we have west ham in terms of expected goals conceded i think i mentioned chelsea's earlier as the best west ham was until this game week but they're still doing pretty well they've got an expected goals conceded of 8.33 um so yeah they're they're looking good on all fronts but i I do wonder if it's gonna be one of those cases where they actually struggle
2: against the weaker teams i don't know what you guys think about that kind of traditional west ham They they feel like one of those teams that a bit of a trap like I've, I've avoided their defenders successfully for the last few years uh, mm. I, I do like their fixtures and I do like their form this season they, they're very much improved I kind of wrote them off a little bit like Villa at the beginning of the season but yeah with Fulham and Sheffield United um, up next and Villa as well I'm, I'm also looking at um, Jared Bowen um, who's another another asset at West Ham who's doing particularly well he's got a few goals to his name and he's he's got um with Fulham up next he's got a pretty decent record against Fulham with three, three goals I think in the four games he played against them in the championship so he, he certainly won I'm I'm looking at um, you mentioned Chelsea of course a couple of other teams I kind of looked at kind of just when I was looking at the fixture ticker and thought actually they've got some pretty decent fixtures are um, Newcastle and Palace so Newcastle, I think with both two teams, there's only one player for each of them that you can name, and they, those are yeah, the same. as we talked about. You know, as I said earlier, you know, repeat the stat that Wilson has sort of eight of the nine been involved with eight of the nine goals at um, Newcastle. Um, Zaha's been involved with six of the eight goals at at Palace, um, and and Wilson's actually. Um, we're talking about this just off air as well that he's now overtaken Calvert. He's actually got more points than Calvert Lewin this season, which was just a bit of a surprise to see that. So. Yeah. In terms of those teams, if you're looking at any assets this week, it's kind of um, perhaps Zaha for me because I'm looking for a, it's actually moved us on to the next question a little bit. So, which Tom will introduce in a second, but it's probably Zaha for me because of um, I'm I'm looking to get rid of Pulisic because um, obviously he's injured. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, did you want to jump in on this, Tom, and then introduce the next question? Which yeah, I've I think i y- answered.
1: Yeah, I think you guys have kind of um, I think highlighted a lot of them. I think that you no. Know, Aaron's on this week. I think that that kind of changes things a tiny bit because I think if I was doing it, I'd go a week later over international break just because there's a a big turn of fixtures there. And the the ones you guys have mentioned um, do make sense and just look a bit further afield as well. Um, I probably not, I know Villa have kind of fallen out of favour a little bit after two uh, negative outcomes, but I mean, their run of games is still pretty damn good. I mean, after Arsenal, they do not face another top six team um, until game week 16, um, so that's a really good run of fixtures for Villa, and then most people have got Martinez and Grealish already, but still worth highlighting. Um, Everton come back after game week 8, and uh, they've got Fulham, Leeds, and Burnley as a free. Um, but I think Liverpool, Man City, and Man City, very boringly, also have good fixtures coming up. So Liverpool, passed game week 10, embarking on a nice run all the way up until game week 18, where they only play Spurs um, so from Game Week 10, all the we way to Game Week 18, they've only got one difficult fixture and that's at home. Um, Man-, Man City, uh, as most people already know, turn around and things spectacularly by Game Week 10. Their run becomes very, very nice. Talk about Man City's attack in just a bit. And Man United as well. Um, that Game Week 9 game after the international break against West Brom is going to be absolutely huge, I think, for a lot of people. There'll be a lot of people buying into Bruno, buying into Rashford for that. And United as well embarking a really nice run. Again, all the way up until game week 18, where they only play Man City um, in terms of any worrying fits. There's maybe a Leicester game week 15 as well to worry about. But there will be quite a few kind of teams that will do come into good fixtures which we'll see the complexion of our teams change a little bit and kind of allied to that you'll see Spurs after the West Brom game their fixtures do become a bit more difficult they have City, Chelsea Arsenal and Liverpool in the space of five game weeks and maybe you'll be looking at that and thinking mm, okay maybe I can go without one of Son and Kane at the moment that's unthinkable but when the fixtures do stiff and other teams do start to look quite interesting um, then maybe you'd start to kind of think okay I'm going to jump across um, so if you are wild carding now I think you've got to really be factoring that in Aaron alongside nice points. These guys have made about initial returns and, and I agree with West Ham and things. Oh, I wish Antonio was fit. This was his time, wasn't it? Uh, let's move on to the mid-price midfielders then. As uh, Nick alluded to, we have already started answering this. And obviously it's on Nick's mind because he's had Pulisic, uh, who's been crocked. Uh, Benny Blanco has a similar issue and he's looking at what to do with Pulisic. I suspect people will be looking in this area you they're know, like selling hammers or whatever. Uh, but Benny asked what to do. Should he go sideways to ZH, conform on Grealish or go with Rashford?
0: When I was thinking about potentially squeezing in one of these midfielders, um, Rashford was the one that I liked. He's a little bit more expensive than, obviously, the likes of Grealish, Zaha, Ziyech. But, yeah, I really like Rashford. And he was, obviously, blanked against Arsenal. But up until then, he was looking really good in the Champions League and mm. um, Newcastle away, which wasn't too long ago either. Um, but, yeah, to bring it back to that sort of price range or cheaper... Maybe the West Ham guys again, uh, Bowen, Fornells, or um, I, I. I still like Zaha. Obviously, blank this week, and I know that I saw a few frustrated Zaha Our owners actually sort of saying, "Oh, who should I?" I'm going to go Zaha to Z. Actually, I'm thinking uh, Zaha's a player i actually quite like. One for their fixtures, like was just alluded to, and uh, second, the talisman talisman aspect of owning him. Um, And he's on penalties still, potentially with Milhovic, however you say it, um, being suspended. If you do own him, then you probably want to maybe keep him for a couple more games. If he's got those penalties, he's got those decent fixtures. And overall, he has improved his his goal and assist output this season compared to last. So he is getting more um, final end product, whatever you want to call it. So I do still like Zaha, that price range. I've I've got Grealish as well. And again, I like him. I think he's one of those who can probably outperform XG potentially in terms of his goal he scored against Southampton was ridiculous. Okay. So I can see him scoring those types of goals and then maybe missing the sort of, he missed like a six yard header, didn't he? Good save from, from the keeper. But yeah, I like all those options. Some are kind of obvious,
1: others maybe not so much, but yeah. Fair enough. I think because Benny doesn't own Grealish, I think that it's worth just just kind of saying, yeah, I'm, I know it's not, it's not very interesting to say conform, but I think conforming on yeah. Grealish here is a good idea. Um, you know, he's got that toxic mix of form and fixtures still, and even though he's kind of blank recently and maybe some people say oh yeah but
0: you
1: you would say that because he scored 15 points um, but I think he's still the man you know I mean just watching him play like the last game against Leeds for example he could have got a goal in the system the other day you put a really good post out on and twist didn't you Wes about him getting 15 points rather than two and um, a goal clear off the line something like that and this week we've actually got like 15 but you know he's top for X- MPXG amongst mids in that 6 to 8.5 million bracket he's top for XA and he's joint top for shots and shots in the box with Zaha who Nick's going to mention very very harshly in a minute and he's got the best, best XGI as well, um, among, among six eight point five million. So, yeah, I, I think it's um, a case of just going for the obvious. If, you, if it's you, Benny. I mean, you know, the likes of Hamers, you know, for example, is taking along nicely. Uh, Ziyech, I like from a football standpoint, you know, could have been kind of he could be kind of Chelsea's Bruno and being the guy who knits everything together. Brilliantest numbers in the air divisier as well as crucially the Champions League. So we're able to say, okay, it's not just the Eredivisie. He can also do it in the Continental League against decent opponents as well. And Rashford, yeah, I mean, he's he's been good. He's been on and off, but the Prime Minister, I and mean, there's a case that form is temporary, class is permanent with him. Um, and I suspect the upcoming fixtures, which I mentioned earlier on, are, could well see fixtures get form. But I guess Zaha is one that I mentioned as well. Wesley you just mentioned him. Nick, I'm sure you will in a sec. Second friend PSG and shots. But my worry is he may struggle with fine consistency. Nonetheless, good route to points with the pen wins as well. And he's seemingly enjoying his football, isn't he, Nick? He's a guy who's firmly in your sights, I take it.
2: Yeah, I mean, he is in my sights, as, as alluded to. Um, yeah, I think I do like Palace's next four, sort of Leeds at home. I thought I Leeds um I, I kind of I was enjoying you know owning Dallas because they seemed defensively competent, but they did kind of play. A, high line against Leicester and got exposed several times by by Jamie Vardy and and Harvey Barnes so I think I can see the same from Zaha if, and as I said if owning then um, Dallas as well is kind of hedging my bets a little bit if if I lose that Dallas clean sheet it's probably going to be Zaha that, that gets the goal so that's a positive for me in terms of what I'm thinking about um, I was planning actually Jared Bowen as, as I said originally he was kind of the player I was going to bring in for that Fulham at home game but Fulham. I damn didn't watch it either because I didn't pay for it. But Fulham looked um, better, or sounded like they were better against West Brom. So maybe he's off the radar now. I'm not convinced totally on that one. But um, another player, as I just mentioned, was Harvey Barnes, who who looked um, pretty good in the game tonight. And in terms of the midfielders, sort of under 8 million, he's now actually top for goal attempts with 18, um, 14 of which have been inside the box. So he's certainly one that should be considered at 6.9 million. He's got a couple of goals to his name. Um, Zaha and Grealish are only just behind him in terms of goal attempts, though, with 17. And I think if you don't own Grealish, uh, I, I'd probably just say Grealish over all of them. If you don't own him, get him in. Um, because not only with goal attempts for Grealish, it's also massive on the assists as well. Chances created... Um, He's had 17 chances created, which is top for all midfielders around that price point. So um, I reckon for me, in terms of the picks, if if I was to pick one for someone to bring in, it'd be greenish. It's also worth highlighting. He doesn't really have the fixture this week um, with Arsenal. because they're actually um, pretty improved defensively in terms of goals conceded, which is the least of all the um, teams so far this season.
1: Oh, all right. Uh, Moving on to the next question, which is sticky toffee. So, we get this question at the start of the season every year um, with whoever is looking fantastic, uh, but they start to trade off. So, FPR Matt asks Has Everton's bubble burst and should we jump off? Oh, quite an interesting one there, just because, well, I mean, we get it every year, don't we? We always have a team who is out of the blocks and we kind of think, oh, well, when do we sell these guys? Do we hold them and they come back to to form or is it just all over now um, Everton are a really interesting example so I compared their XG game weeks 1 to 4 and game weeks 5 to 7 1 to 4, 8.47 XG 12 scored, game weeks 5 to 7, I'm aware won this game obviously but 3.36 XG, 3 goals scored, a tiny sample size but I wonder if absence is more than anything I've taken their toll, so um, 3 big chances created recently in the last 3 games versus 9 big chances created in the first 4, 27 chances created in the last 3 games versus forty one In the first four, so another case where fixtures may beget form again because after the international break they do start with Fulham and have a nice little run. Um, but maybe it's the case the B team isn't good enough. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be saying sell right now. I'm probably going to be keeping Hammers unless I go for a one week punt and then go into a wild card in which case I'll sell them for Bowen. Um, but if I had you know DCL, if you've got someone like that, and if you're indeed looking to buy a player in, oh, I, I wouldn't be writing Everton off just yet. Uh, what do you think, Wes? Um, is it is it time to jump off there? Everton, um, is it time to, say, to tell people to walk away from Everton for looking to buy them in? For me, it's not a bubble burst. And, like you say,
0: obviously, you guys on the pod get it every year, and you see it on, on Twitter, which is why I, I keep tweeting every now and again saying it looks like Aston Villa won't win the league. I thought we were just having
1: to go Adam Hotcroft there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sorry, Adam. Um, Everton and Villa have been quite similar in that regard, in terms of they've both started really well, and then the last couple of results haven't gone their way. But um, obviously, Everton lost at the weekend, but DCL still scored. DCL's only blanked once. Um, James Rodriguez, I'm assuming, is a minor issue. So once he's back, creativity is going to be um, higher, you'd assume. And likewise with Luca Dean coming back from just the one-game suspension. So he'll be back next week to potentially provide those crosses to DCL like he did in the Liverpool game. So, yeah, no, I wouldn't... Um, coming off them in terms of over the course of the season uh calvert lewin is third highest overall for overall xg and he's actually top for non-penalty xg so i'm sticking with calvert lewin if if i had hammers rodriguez in my squad and he was declared fit i'd be sticking by him as well and yeah i think i think what the the bigger picture for this sort of question is to highlight I wasn't getting carried away with Everton either but likewise I'm not getting carried away with their dip and that's the same for for Villa as well I wasn't uh, tripling up on Everton and Villa and likewise now I'm not selling Grealish and DCL so yeah um, the both teams have both got a few good assets and there's no
1: no reason to panic I feel like I've got two Nicks on the pod Nick what do you think
2: (laughs) yeah um I think it just I think it'd be mad to, to sell Calvert Lewin right now. Obviously he, he returned, but it's worth highlighting, you know, the, the underlying stats might not look great, but um Calvert Lewin's still getting some goals in. They, they, they were very short sure of their best players in that last game. They had no um Seamus Coleman, no Luca Dean, no Hamas Rodriguez, no Richarlison, all of those guys were out. They've got United up next. You never know what kind of United will turn up, so there's a every chance Calvert-Lewin will get a return in that game. And then after that, they've got Fulham away and everyone should be back for that game. So I expect there's going to be quite a high XG coming out of that game. And then after that's Leeds and Burnley, so plenty more um, chances for Everton players to get their return. So, yeah, if you've got Calvert-Lewin, certainly hang on to him. If you've got Hammers, I mean, it's up to you. We've, we've talked about a lot of the other midfield options out there. If you don't have your Grealishes or your Zaha's. <laughs> yeah. but um, I know you've got him, haven't you, Tom? You've still got Hammers, or have you yeah, started? I still have still got him. Yeah, but I paid so what So, what's pressure. what's are you hanging on to him? Are you gonna, yeah, well, him? no, yeah. I,
1: I don't know yet. Yeah. If, if I decide that I'm gonna wildcard over international break, then I'm gonna sell Hammers for Bowen this week. Um, but uh, you no, know, no, I. I I agree with you all, really. But um, just have uh, to just hold on for the time being. And, you know, you may end up with kind of a, the ownership's going to be so high, especially for, for Dominic Calvert Lewin all year long now. Because in Mountain Dead teams, you're earning 57%, I think it is ownership, DCL. Like, throughout the course of the year, if he scores a goal and he's not in your team, he's going to punish you. And that's, that's just. Facts now because there's been so many people who got dead teams, and they, they're never going to leave those teams. His ownerships were going to be a threshold about 35 40% for the rest of the season. Um, so yeah, there's always going to be a case to own him just for safety reasons. And you know, it has been his breakup season so far, even though Wilson has outscored him. And I think that Wilson answer probably helps us with the cheap forwards question for the next one. Um, I'm going to breeze over, it, unfortunately, because I haven't got much time. Uh, but Brian Varghese, he asked which cheap forwards were favouring. I think it's probably going to be Wilson. It's just such a shame uh, that Antonio's injured because I think that this that this was his time. Moving on to the, uh, the penultimate question defensive judgment. So, our friend Rishi, uh, Morpheus Fire, <laughs> he says that Chelsea, Arsenal, and West Ham are all posting good defensive numbers. Adam Pritchard asks if drip master general Hector Bellerin's worth a look in that Arsenal kind of uh, area. I and mean, Nick said they're a very good defensive lead. And they are defensive kings this year. And Slim Shady, Gil Prabb, uh, says Man City defence, also call his eye. So, I guess a good way of kind of mincing all the questions into one is what would our defence look like if, say, we wildcarded right now? I'm going to ask you both a question first, uh, which is quite a fun one. Um, who's had the most shots in the box of any defender so far this year?
2: I think that's all you say. It's Harry Maguire, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>, Slab. <him. laughs>
1: but I don't think I'd be buying him. Um, but Zuma, Nick, I think probably he'd be one who'd be featuring heavily. Uh, uh, the guy that likes of
2: well and things like that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Zoom Zoom's already in my team, but yeah, I I wouldn't be selling him uh certainly if you were looking at wildcarding right now, uh, I think either Zoom or Chilwell would certainly prop, do a job. I you know, I'd say I've I was brilliant for your team so go for either one of those guys, maybe even double up if you're feeling daring. I, I, I do like Arsenal as as um not I don't actually like Arsenal, but I like their assets right now. Um and Bellerin, I think is a uh, Excellent option there of five million. He's super cheap. I did. I did have a look at his underlying stats, and I was a little bit disappointed. He's only actually had the one goal attempt so far, so you're not going to get many attacking returns from him Um, in terms of the way they're playing right now. But they do look very much defensively sure. So looking at the next five, I can see a few clean sheets uh, coming their way. So that's positive. He did win the penalty as well this game week. So picked up an assist. Um, through that route Which many defenders Seem to be Currently um, I think you mentioned City as well I quite like Cancelo um, He's been pretty creative With sort of Nine chances Created so far Which is fifth For the midfielders And I think City again Like Arsenal They seem to have improved Defensively Even though their attack Struggling I think the pairing Of Diaz and Laporte Seems to add A little bit of calm To the proceedings Compared to What we've seen previously was Sort of ramshackle days Of Stones and Otamendi Um They've only conceded 21 shots on target, which is the joint best of all teams. I guess if I was to call out another player, another one not in my team, I'd, you know, I think Wes mentioned him earlier, was Cresswell um, for West Ham. Um, as I said, he does play for West Ham, which is always a negative, but they've got some great fixtures and he's joined top for chances created with 13. And he's got three assists to his name as well. So I'd probably be talking about selling those um, Liverpool defenders very unfortunately, Um because they've been sort of staples of our team for the last few years haven't they it feels very odd to go without a liverpool defender but i, I don't know i think there's there's some cheaper options you get rid of someone like Robert, you bring bella in you've got 2 million extra to to play around and it might even allow you to afford someone like rashford or bruno if you're planning on investing in united attack later on
1: yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem like the time for Liverpool players, does it, at the moment? I think that you know, the fixture swing will see uh, perhaps some fashionability for the likes of Robertson and the likes of Trent as well, perhaps. Uh, but yeah, no, very interesting. I probably agree with all of those, so I'm not going to go into mine. Uh, Where's what do you reckon? Yeah, like literally
0: just retweeted, just retweet what Nick says is what I was going to say. Uh, and I'd probably add into the mix in terms of a balance of, you know, you don't want to be having in all, the, all of those sort of Mm. five million plus defenders i'd probably have kilman in there 4.2 million um as you know the best sort of cheap option now that mitchell's uh out of the picture probably and banan
1: is probably too early for me to jump on him but oh. he's, so he's a, so a punt, isn't it for a boring manager yeah about? yeah i, I wouldn't I'm drunk have... Have you had many beers during <laughs> then
0: i've had too much water <laughs>
1: yeah. He um yeah, he isn't someone I'm gonna be bringing him right
0: away. But if I was a yeah, if I was a risk taker, then you could benefit there because of their fixture and because of how attacking he can be. He got an as well, he would have got an assist for Bashwai in uh, the last game, but Bashwai was, you know, half a yard offside from a kind of a pass cross into the box. Um and there's there's theories that PVA may also be on penalties or Ahead of
1: Zaha in the penalty order. I don't, I don't know, know, I don't know how that works. Yeah, I yeah, that's, just, that's just rumours, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, possibly. I, I don't know either. Um,
0: but yeah, just for balance, like I said, Kilman, all the players Nick mentioned. Um, yeah, and probably someone like Lampty, he's still attacking. Uh, Brighton's defensive numbers aren't too bad, and he's still only about 4.6, 4.7 million. So if, you, if you're looking to have, because we, we don't want to put too much budget into defence with the likes of maybe having. You know, Chilwell and Cancelo and Bellerin might be a little bit too much. So, the likes of Lampty, Kilman, Dallas um, are still good options.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, you did mention Bellerin there, my uh, fellow vegan. And he's uh, you know, equal to Chilwell, uh, equal to uh, Jared Bowen uh, of appointment with 33. And Arsenal have uh, conceded, as Nick mentioned earlier, the fewest goals of any team. And we are setting up in a hard-to-beat sort of way at the moment. So we've been kind of a, a not fashionable narrative to push, but we have been incredibly boring and incredibly solid at the back. Gone are the days of Mustafi giving the ball to the opposition striker in the six-yard box. We're looking actually vaguely competent, especially that man Gabriel. Um, he's looking incredibly competent for us. It's a rare rarity for Arsenal to have a defensively competent player in centre back, but we've got one. What the hell has happened? Um, but I, I think Bellerin actually is quite a decent-looking individual um, for your team. As to answer Adam Pritchard's question, I, I probably wouldn't be kind of shouting from the rooftops about any of his stats so far. Uh, maybe that's just because the fixtures have been a bit kind of hit and miss. But I mean, in, in general, I'm I'm uh, I wouldn't mind kind of paying five million for him as, it, as as it is. I think that that is kind of quite decent in terms of having coverage, but of of of, of uh, what's looking like a fairly solid defence. And so the other thing is probably you know someone like Holding or something at four point four or Gabriel at five point one. Very unlikely if he's going to score again or score again consistently, uh, but. Uh, just something to be said there for, for the Arsenal defence, but I think with, uh, in terms of a Gil Prab's question, um, I'm really looking at Diaz um, as being a, a buy-in at some point during this, this season, just because you know I think he's got that right centre-back slot nailed pretty much for the rest of the year um, with uh, Laporte on alongside him. As Nick mentioned, I think that's quite a formidable kind of centre-back pairing. Ake, likes of stones, all kind of filling in Garcia as well. But I think it'll be Diaz and Laporte for the rest of the year, and there could be you know. 15 or 16 clean sheets to come Um, so it'd be good to get kind of involved with that plus he had an okay goal scoring record not a great one but an okay goal scoring record uh, in Portugal so I think he'd be one that I keep an eye on but yeah I agree with you guys on that and the final question this week uh, FPL Elf gets his weekly question in and asks which player who hasn't banged yet is maybe about to and therefore will become the next bandwagon so we can all clamber aboard early ahead of the curve Uh, what do you guys reckon I've, I've got some substantial thoughts on this but I'll leave it to you guys first Wes where are you so,
0: um, I made some notes before the Leicester game and have, uh, had Vardy in there who has kind of gone off the sort of radar, but obviously now he's just got 15 points and he has done well previously. So it's probably a bit of a cop out saying Vardy. I'm obviously hoping Lukman to keep talking about him, um, which is why I've got on him whilst he's only got the one goal in three, three, four games now. I'm hoping he bangs, um, and another one, and again, it's sort of a cop out because they've they've not blanked the whole season. But Werner, um, he's again not a popular pick anymore. He's gone down in price from his starting price, which obviously shows that he's been transferred out. But now sort of Chelsea are clicking a bit better. He's obviously getting more used to the Premier League, more used to playing with Chelsea, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Got a goal at Burnley. He could potentially kick on now with a with a decent fixture run. Um but yeah, apart from that, not got too many others that uh, are springing to mind.
2: Yeah, I guess for me, I'd probably highlight the Manchester United players. Um, I think they've, they've had a bit of a slow start to the season. Um, but, you know, we, we saw in the Champions League, for instance, Rashford bang out a hat-trick in about 27 minutes. Um, I think certainly he's the kind of player that could suddenly you know, springboard into the Premier League with, with a bunch of goals. And, and especially with that West Brom at home game coming up, a few nice fixtures, I think Rashford and, and Bruno are a couple of players that I kind of want to be, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I kind of want to be ahead of the curve and get those guys in if I can before they get those massive returns and sort mm-hmm. of end up in everyone's team.
0: And I guess Martial could fall into that category of yep. doing literally nothing this season. Um apart from your penalty in the Champions League. But yeah, in the Premier League he's not done much at all. He could then come back in and he could be their next wagon. But, and likewise, we've, I was talking about Van Arnold earlier. I guess this question is more sort of focused towards those sort of players. But like I said earlier, I like to see just a little bit more from them before actually putting them in my team, especially when there's so many other options, especially if, if we're talking strikers, uh, DCL, Wilson, Bamford, Ings when he's fit, even Jimenez. Kane, obviously, there's sort of six strikers. So, is it wise to take a punt on Martial when all those players are doing well? And then, obviously, Vardy, Vardy as well now so to add into that, there's just so many strikers doing it that um, it's just probably not a wise idea to take that punt on Martial before we see a little bit from him.
1: Exactly. You need to make sure he can be bothered basically uh, Gallic shrug from him and it's all over as I found out to my chagrin at the start of this season um, no, interesting, interesting, I had Vardy as one of the answers actually here, um, there's a, actually a, a sneaky, very good of a uh, set of games coming up for him uh, from game week 10 he's got three home games and four comprising Fulham, Sheffield United Brighton and Everton so two of those games Fulham and Brighton I can imagine Parker and Potter being uh, naive and setting up a high line and allowing Vardy to prosper um, but no I like a next wagon I like looking at these um, and one of the ways of doing it is the old Fabio Borges which is looking at the underperformance for HGI for example and defenders there are three I did this before tonight's games but ailing point. Um, 33 on SGI midfield Lundstram minus 1.75 next GI and forward uh, Mitro minus 1.86. We got two assists tonight, so I guess that's gone. None of those are interesting, are they? Of course they're not. As a wise man once said, how important are stats anyway? Instead, I think let's use our own knowledge, which settles us on one team, Man City. Uh, You guys have spoken about Man United, let's talk about City. So we haven't seen the proper spanking yet. They've been going through the motions and grinding out results. There's good run of fitches coming, but it's also been great to conveniently forget about them because it means we can have the likes of Son and Kane, Um, but I think we'll be getting them back before long. However, this year has not been particularly good. Um, So the XG per game, as this points out, and actually philosophy was, is 1.57. In context, last year, this was 2.71 at this point. Last uh, year before that, 2.49, 2.42, 2.15. Yeah, not very good. 1.57. Goals after six games played for Man City. This year, nine. Years before this, 2019-20, 24 goals at this point. 18-19, 19 goals. 17-18-21 17-18-21 and 16 17, 18 so nine goals now compared to double or more in previous years. What's really damning is that they're overperforming their XGI at the moment, which is ridiculous. Unthinkable at the start of the season that nine goals would be an overperformance for them. Their XGI is 13.58 and their actual is 15 goals and assists. Burnley, Fulham, Man United, West Brom, Southampton, Newcastle uh, between 10 and 15. They'll be hoping that kind of turns around. Um, so, yeah, as a team, maybe that's an example of using our own knowledge rather than looking at the stats and saying, right, this is probably a team which is going to come back. They are you know, the first or second best team in the land. And then we look at the players. I'd like to be Sterling, isn't it? I think maybe one I point to, especially when Jesus gets back, he's the key weapon for Pep. We've established he's probably not the best in centre forward. But once he's are centre-forward, he's back on the wing. Could he be the one, especially if he reverts the tap-in merchant like we saw in the restart um, to really push through? There's obviously De Bruyne as well, uh, maybe the likes of Mahrez uh, and but, but I, I really think that maybe Sterling would be the one that I point to at the moment as being the guy who may come through a 7% ownership at the moment um, so I think that he'd be the one that I really point to and, and say that yeah he's looking decent I agree with what you're saying about, my, nice, about Rashford I think on 10% owned as well um, but I think we're really going to see a sea change and people are going to be looking at Man City again I'm sure there is one spanking between game week 11 and 13 for example game week 11 Fulham at home and West Brom at home game week 13 there's going to be one there we're all going to jump on um, so yeah it's definitely worth bearing those sort sorts of players in mind and, and bearing Man City in mind we've all completely forgot about them for Spurs but they will be back and um, I'm fairly sure um, I think they've got some of class to not kind of begin to do better than they are doing at the moment right let's move on to the transfers and captains the ending of the podcast uh, what are we looking to do this week
0: Wes what's going on I've gone from a fully playing squad to issues in defence say some Mitchell and Lamptey with a hopefully just a precautionary. And then Danny Ings with, and again, positive news going out about him. So I've got to wait until we get further news on all of those situations, really. Um, but I'm likely to make a defensive transfer because I don't think Sace will be getting his place back. Mitchell will probably survive just because I don't really, really want to do a minus four to get rid of a, a cheap defender who won't play. So I'm likely to take Sace out for either... West Ham, Arsenal or Chelsea defender. Uh, The likes of Chilwell, Bellerin or uh, Cresswell, that sort of thing. And if Ings is out long-term, Vardy or Werner, I've got a bit of money in the bank. Um, Or I could look at the likes of Callum Wilson, who's just ticking along nicely. And captain, um, I'm on Kane at the minute and I don't think that's going to change. Yeah, they're playing West Brom. West Borough just lost to Fulham as well, a game that I've been targeting as a must-win almost. And yeah, I'm not going to look past that fixture.
1: No, that's fair enough. I don't know, but yeah, makes sense. Uh, what am I going to do? So I'm either going to roll transfer, batting on the hatches and hope for the best, or I'm going to, if I decide I'm going to wildcard, um, do Hammers, who's got Man United, out to Bowen or for nows because i heard what you were saying about him and he looks pretty, he does sound pretty decent i'll have a look into that myself but yeah sounds pretty cool um, and i'm going to be captioning son again and definition madness go back and do it again um but i kind of think he's better away from home and as you said west brom absolute toilet and be old oh, i can't see that past that fixture in terms of the captain this week um the other pen factor of kane definitely does kind of um, come to mind for me um yeah, I, I just kind of uh, think that uh, for that sort of game, it, it does suit Son. I thought the Brighton game suited Son though, so I've got to hope it's not an off day for him. But if they do combine like how they can, I think that uh, uh, he's primed to do very well. To be honest, I think both of them are probably uh, in line with double-figure scores, aren't they? Q1, the West Brom victory, let's face it. But there we go. Uh, Nick, what do you reckon? Uh,
2: yes, yeah, so for my captain, I'm probably going to go with Harry Kane this time. Um, I just think yeah, the penalty factor is um, really important, and I did I did captain Son earlier on in the season. He got me returns, but I I, I just think I'm, I'm fancying Kane. Obviously, with Salah um, playing City, he's he's kind of out of the question. So it will be Kane for me over Son. I don't really have any other reasons why, but I just I just fancy him. Um, in terms of transfers, it's an enforced transfer. Pula um, switch out probably for well. It was originally going to be Bellin, but it's probably going to be for Zaha um, this week. Um, I could potentially take a minus four and ditch Robo for a character like Cancelo, Bellerin and allow me to. That actually allows me to bring in either Bruno or Rashford ahead of the ahead of the uh, West Brom game. But um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do that. I'm, I might. I still have the option the following week of taking the minus four and doing it the following week for that game. So for this week it might just be someone like zaha or um bowen but yeah maybe zaha so that's my plan anyway um so yeah we were who got the assist thank you so much uh for listening don't forget to hit subscribe button if you haven't already and we were joined today by the brilliant wes at fbi article heisenberg thanks very much for coming on mate
0: cheers guys absolute pleasure
2: yeah, thanks
1: for coming on Wes uh, really cool to uh, speak to you I think it's the first time we've ever had you haven't we we'll definitely make sure we have you again uh, either on this year or later on next year um, Anthony will return next week as will we in the meantime we hope you assisted you think about your team's structure going forward speak to you after the next game week before the international break goodbye Bye. oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist